0: Welcome to the sermon podcast for Restoration Nazarene Church, where we encourage you to be the gospel today so that you can share the gospel tomorrow. I don't know about you all, but this, for some reason, this, this time of the year is always really hard for me. I'm, I'm always exhausted there's so many different demands in life from, from family to jobs, and then with all that is going on, it can be difficult for me personally to, to find a way to focus on God's voice. And if you're familiar with the story of, of Elijah, God's voice often comes in a gentle whisper, something that, that can be buried or, or covered by all of the noise in life around us. And, and I don't know about you, but I desire to hear that voice, that, that voice of God. I desire to hear God guide me, to, to tell me where we are headed, to know what his will is for us. I desire for God to remind me of the mission, to tell me that, that I'm doing well, Do you ever have those moments in life where you desire to know what God's will is for your life? Luckily, scripture tells us how to do that. It tells us how to hear God's voice, how to know what God's will is. And Jesus even models that for us. Remember that our our goal or mission as Christians is to be like Christ, which means that we must first learn about Jesus and then follow his example. And the way that we do that here, our restoring hope, is by coming to the row where we learn together from scripture and then we take what we've learned from the row and we take that to our circle groups where we continue to talk about it and encourage one another to live more like. Christ and then we take all of that to our chair where we spend intentional time alone with God in order to be transformed more and more into the image of Christ and this morning we're focusing on this final piece of, of what it means to be in a chair and we're going to be in in Mark's gospel this morning looking at the example of Jesus. And in this this first chapter of Mark, where we're beginning, we we find the story of Jesus, a story that that I often struggle with. But before we, we get into this story, we need a little context of what is going on. In this first chapter of Mark, Jesus, he has just called his first few disciples to to follow him. And so Jesus and his few disciples, they go to this town called Capernaum. And on the Sabbath day, Jesus and his few disciples, they, they go to church and they all go to this synagogue for worship as all Jews would have done at this time. Only this time, Jesus is the one that is doing all of the teaching instead of whoever the rabbi of this synagogue is. And so Jesus is is teaching people and everybody there that is listening to him, they're all amazed at what he says and the authority of which he speaks with. And while he is teaching, there's a man that, that has a demon inside of him. And this demon cries out and says in Mark Chapter one, verse 24, he says, what do you want with us, Jesus of now? You come to destroy us. I know who you are, the holy one of God. Notice that this demon possessed man doesn't call Jesus a holy one of God. He calls him the holy one of God. Now, can you imagine what must be going on in the people's minds at this moment? They're they're already blown away at Jesus' teaching. And now this demon speaks up in front of everybody and identifies this man as the Holy One. And Jesus responds, verse 25, he says, Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Jesus casts out the demon in front of everyone with just his voice. Now, I can't help but, but think of Genesis chapter one, where God creates everything with his voice. God speaks, let there be light, and there was light. God brings everything into existence with his voice. And now here is Jesus casting out a demon with his voice. Can you begin to imagine what must be going on in the minds of these people that that are hearing and watching all of this take place? They're all so amazed that verse 28 says, news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. On this, this Sabbath day, Jesus taught the people with authority and he healed this demon possessed man with his voice. But the day is not over. Mark records what happens next. Verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the house of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went up to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. At this time, news about Jesus had been spreading quickly all over the place. He, he teaches with authority. He casts out demons and now he heals Simon's mother-in-law. And then verse 32, it says, that evening, again, the same day, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they, know, they knew who he was. This, this entire town gathers at Simon's house. And Simon will later be called Peter. This is the apostle Peter. And so they're all gathered at this this house. And and, and if you caught it, Mark is very careful to say in verse 32 that the people brought to Jesus all the sick and all the demon-possessed. They bring everyone that is sick and demon-possessed. But then Mark changes his word. In verse 34, it says that Jesus healed many He also drove out many demons. That doesn't say that Jesus healed all of them. It says many or most. But my question is, why not all of them? And this is getting to the part of the story that that I struggle with. Now, for us to, to fully understand what is going on, we need to remember that Jesus is both fully man and fully God at at the same time. It's one of those things that that we learn and and why we don't fully understand it, we like to put it inside of this little box just so that we can move on. And then we hold on to this, this box that says that Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. Not 50-50 split halfway down, but fully God, 100% and fully man. However, this box that, that we hold on to when we think about Jesus, it, it can sometimes get in our way of of truly or fully understanding the life of Jesus I like to think of this concept of Jesus being fully man and fully God as as two really strong magnets that, that are polarized the same way. Meaning you cannot put them together, no matter how much you wrestle, you just you try and they keep missing it. And this is what's going on in my mind as I, I wrestle with the concept of of Jesus being 100% man and 100% God. It just doesn't quite make sense. And so you hold these magnets in in tension to together trying to comprehend what's going on and so this is this is how i imagine jesus being fully god and fully man and so so we see that that jesus while being fully god he also chose to take on the form of man to fully experience life as a human so that he could offer himself as a living sacrifice, which means that Jesus felt pain. He got hungry. He needed to eat. And I need to be careful about how I say this in a church setting, but he also needed to use the restroom. Jesus, he had all human emotions. He, he felt sad. He felt happy. Jesus even got tired. And this perspective is is important for us to have as we dig into this, this story. Remember that this has all happened on one day, this Sabbath day, that Jesus has done so much. And at some point, in the middle of healing everybody, at some point, I imagine that they get tired. I can't even begin to imagine how much energy it would take to do all that Jesus did. And so they go to bed. They they rest. And then verse 35 says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. In my mind, everyone is is starting to wake up that morning. They are ready for Jesus to finish the work that he started, to finish healing all of those people that are sick. But Jesus is gone. He is nowhere to be found. So I imagine these, these townspeople, they turn to Simon and the other disciples and they say, where is Jesus? Where is your master? There are people here that are still sick, people that need to be healed. Go and find them. Again, this isn't recorded, but I'm imagining that this is what's going on in the story. And so I'm imagining these disciples, they have to be excited about what they've all witnessed, what they are experiencing with Jesus. And they're so excited about all of these miracles. and, And I believe that they're beginning to catch on to who Jesus is, someone that can speak with authority and perform miracles with his voice. There's so much good ministry work to be done in this town. There are people that are still sick and need to be healed and so I imagine them going, running off and going to find Jesus. And when they find him, they, they say to Jesus, everyone is looking for you. Come on, let's go finish the work. But how does Jesus reply? Verse 38, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. To the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Jesus says, no, they they leave the town and they leave behind the people that are still sick. Why would Jesus do that? I can't help but wonder if, if Jesus said no because he spent time in prayer that morning, time with his father in heaven, a time that refocused him on his Mission, A time that showed him the will of God. Because that is how Jesus responds to the disciples. He he says, no, we need to go to the other villages so I can preach there also because that is why I have come. That is the mission. That is God's will. The work of Jesus is not confined to this one town. He doesn't make headquarters in Simon's home and just wait for people to come to him. No, Jesus says, no, I will go out to the people because that is why I came. And I'm, I'm speculating a bit here, but, but I don't know if Jesus was fully okay with this. And follow me for a moment. I, I, I think that Jesus, as a man, had a desire to heal everyone. But after spending some time alone with God, and hearing the still, small voice of the Father, Jesus was reminded of the true mission. And the disciples who didn't spend time in prayer, didn't spend time seeking God's will, they're they're confused. One of my, my favorite things about Mark's gospel is the way that he creates parallels in the story, meaning there will be two stories that, that almost mirror each other as a way to help us fully understand what is going on. And one of those parallels occurs here in this story that we just read and with with a story at the end of Mark's gospel, chapter 14. And, and in chapter 14 of Mark's gospel, Jesus has, he has his final meal with the disciples. He explains to them that soon he will not be with them. That, that Peter, who was formerly called Simon, would deny him three times. And then they go off to this garden. And starting in verse 32, it says, They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. "'My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow "'to the point of death,' he said to them. "'Stay here and keep watch.'" Jesus, he he leaves most of his disciples at one part of the garden with instructions to sit and while Jesus goes off to pray. And then he takes three of those disciples further with them. And then he begins to express his, his anguish. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He is deeply troubled and distressed. And again, if, if we keep our box of God being fully man and fully God and all we do is hold on to this box, we say, yeah, but, but Jesus, you know all things, you are God, you can do the impossible. Why are you so upset? Why are you anxious? Why are you in this moment? But if we step out of that box for a moment and go back to our magnets of holding together this, this tension, we, we see here in the story that Jesus is fully man at the exact same time that he is fully God that Jesus chose to take on the form of a human, to fully experience everything that we go through. And then he he tells these, these disciples, he tells these three disciples here, he says, stay here and keep watch. And then verse 35, going a little further, Jesus fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him, Abba, Which means, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Can can you hear the anxiety in Jesus' prayer? Jesus knows what is about to happen. He knows that he is about to suffer and die for the sins of the world. And he says, God, everything is possible with you. Please take this cup from me. Please find another way to accomplish the mission. But then in this moment, Jesus surrenders. And he says, but yet not what I will, but what you will. Meaning, but if there is no other way, Then I will trust you. Then I will follow you. And then verse 37, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Notice that that Jesus, he he addresses Peter and he calls him Simon. This is the same Simon from earlier in Mark that we read, the same Simon that later goes through this crazy transformation to get this new name, Peter. But now Jesus calls him Simon, as if this this guy, this this man is slipping back into his old way of life. And this happened three times. Times and each time Jesus comes out from prayer and he finds the disciples sleeping instead of praying and watching. And Jesus says, The spirit within you is willing to watch and pray, but your flesh is weak, you are tired, and you are giving into that temptation. See, once again, that the disciples misunderstand what is happening, they misunderstand the importance of Jesus praying. And I can't help but wonder if Jesus was asking for support. Was he asking his disciples to watch and pray to help him out in this hour of need that he had? In this story here, we we see how Jesus, he desired to find another way. He desired for God to take the cup from him, to find another way to accomplish his mission Jesus desired something else to happen. But through this time of intentional prayer, he was willing to submit to the Father. Can you see the the parallel? It's the exact same pattern. Jesus finds a place alone to pray. And the disciples, they don't quite understand why or what's going on, that they get distracted either by the ministry work that needs to be done or by their own exhaustion. But Jesus knows the importance of spending intentional time with God because that shapes who he is. Both of these these stories were, were moments of Jesus realigning himself to the Father's will. I asked earlier why Jesus would be ready to leave the town they were in, knowing that there were still sick people. And I can't help but wonder if Jesus didn't want to leave, but because he spent time with God, realigning himself to God's will, I can't help but think that Jesus wanted to help those people, but that God helped him remember what his mission was. And I think we all have tendencies in our lives to be like the disciples. We, we know the importance of prayer. We know the importance of spending intentional time with God alone, but yet we are often exhausted, or at least I am often exhausted. And so we find ourselves falling asleep when we're supposed to be spending time alone with God, or we're so focused on, on the work that is right in front of us that we miss the larger mission We miss what God's will is. It could be hard for us sometimes to understand why Jesus would leave behind a few people that were sick. But if we really think about it, he left behind a few people that were sick in order to go to more towns and heal more people. However, while he was on this earth, he didn't heal everyone that was alive because that was not his mission. His mission was not to be a physical doctor that healed every sick person that lived at that time. His mission was to be the Messiah, to heal us all spiritually, everybody that came before, everybody living, and everybody that would come again to heal us all spiritually by dying on the cross for our sins and making a way for us to get to the Father. That was God's will. That was God's master plan. How often do we get so caught up in the day-to-day routines that we miss the work of God around us? How often do we choose to do something else other than spending intentional time with God, a time where God will reveal his will for us? We can know what God's will is. Jesus made a way for us to communicate directly with the Father. The Holy Spirit is alive and active in the world today, waiting for us to surrender and follow. And I believe this is what Paul means in Romans 12, 1 through 2. If you haven't realized, this is my favorite verse or two verses in the entire Bible. Paul writes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul is giving us a choice here. We can either allow ourselves to be conformed to the patterns of the world, which means that that we remain constantly busy. We, We fall into the temptation of our flesh like the disciples did, like to fall asleep instead of praying or only focusing on what is right in front of us. Or, Paul says, we can surrender ourselves to God and allow the Holy Spirit to transform us by renewing our mind. And then we will be able to test and know what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. This is what Jesus is modeling for us here. And the gospels constantly remind us of how Jesus spent intentional time alone with the Father, Matthew 14, 23, it says, after Jesus had dismissed them, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. Mark 6, 46, after leaving them, Jesus went up on a mountainside to pray. Luke 6, 12, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying to God. Luke 5:16. but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This is a pattern of Jesus. He often withdrew to places alone and prayed. He spent intentional time with the Father. When we, today, when we can break away from the busyness of the world and focus on God, then we will be transformed more and more into his image and able to know what God's will is. This is the example that Jesus leaves for us. But it's also an example that I think can be hard for us to follow sometimes. It's hard for us to spend intentional time alone in prayer in our chairs because our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. We find so many reasons and excuses to avoid it. We, we get tired, we get distracted, we feel like we don't know how to pray or what to do in those times alone with God. Maybe our excuse is that we don't have time to find time to spend with God. But let me ask you a hard question. What do you do every day? Pick a random day of the week. What do you do When you find yourself with some time in the day, do you take that time and and sit down and rest? Do you spend that time on a screen, whether it's TV or social media or video games? Do you find yourself moving on to more chores in the house or, or fitting in a little extra time of work? That's what I'm guilty of. How do you choose to spend that time How often do you choose to spend your few moments of of rest that you have? How often do you choose to spend that time with God alone? See, when, when we spend intentional time with God, it is in those moments where God begins to do the work of transformation in our lives. It is in those moments where God reveals his will for our lives. And at first, we'll be like the disciples who, who are easily distracted, who fall asleep. But if we can commit to spending intentional time alone with God, then we can be transformed. But if we can't, if we can't commit to this, then we will never get to a place of Jesus who can fall on his face and say, but not my will, but thine be done. A place where, where we can know what God wants us to do. God desires to spend time with us. He desires to shape our lives. And that happens when we intentionally offer our time to him, when we surrender to to him. I heard someone say uh, one time that, that you've heard the, the phrase or you've heard that, that with tithing we're supposed to give 10% of everything that comes in to the church. And I heard someone say once, what about our time? Do we give 10% of our time back to God, which in a one day, a 24-hour period would be over two hours? Do we give two hours back to God every single day, which is only 10%? How often do you spend time with God? And when you do, how should we spend that intentional time with God? What what should we do when we go to the chair? There are several things that we can do, several ways that we can spend time with God in the chair. But I'm going to give you three to try. Can you guess what the first one is? Prayer? Nope. Scripture. The first one is using scripture. Use your Bible. You can read scripture, allowing God to speak to you through that time. You can memorize scripture. You can find devotionals that, that have you read a portion of scripture and then provide a short teaching to direct your thoughts. In fact, if you are signed up with our weekly emails, you will get three devotionals every week that Pastor Maureen writes. The first way is to use scripture. Now, can you guess what the second way is? Nope. The second way (laughs) is to acknowledge the greatness of God. One of the ways you can do this is if you like nature like I do, then, then you can sit outside early in the morning. I'm a morning person, so I like to sit outside early in the morning, listening to the birds chirping, feeling the breeze blowing. Look at all the trees. We're surrounded by mountains, looking at the sky and just acknowledging God's greatness. We can journal. We can write about God. We can write about what he's doing in your life. You can simply just sit there, create a list of things you are thankful for that God has provided or done. This, this second option is acknowledging the greatness of God. The third option, can you guess what this is? No, prayer. Why didn't you guess prayer? And these are in no priority order I just wanted to keep you on your toes and see who was actually listening instead of falling asleep like the disciples. We can do any of these things in any order that we choose, but one of them is prayer. We can follow the model of Jesus by praying, and prayer can be done many different ways. We can create our own prayer by just simply talking to God as if he were directly in front of us. We can tell him about our days. We can, we can talk about our needs. Somebody told me this morning that they were praying for God for more mobility. You can talk to God and ask for more mobility. You can talk to God about your feelings. Another way to pray is that, that you can pray written prayers that others have written down. For example, we can pray the prayer that Jesus gave to us that is written down in scripture, our father thou art in heaven. You know this prayer. We can we can meditate, we we can sit down and and pray through meditation. There are so many different ways to pray. And so what do we do when we go to the chair? We spend time with God through prayer, through scripture, through acknowledging God's goodness. But this only happens if we are committed to forming a habit of actually doing this consistently. The first step is, is knowing what to do when you even get to the chair. But the second step is, is even more important. It's making sure that you stick with it. It's important to make sure that however you choose to spend your time with God, that, that you do the things that Jesus did. And Jesus, he found solitude. He, he went alone without any distractions. Maybe you need to put technology away and just sit there with you and God and God's word. You also need to be consistent like Jesus. Spend time every single day. Maybe even create one spot in your house. Find a corner or, or one specific chair that becomes your place of prayer. And that this way you can train your body that every time you sit in this location, your body gets ready to spend time with God alone in prayer. Can you imagine what your life would look like if you always knew what God's will was for your life. If you always had a close connection with the spirit who guides and directs you. Can you imagine for a moment that not if not only if we each do that individually but but can you imagine what our church would be like? If we all committed together to be informed into the image of Christ together, if we all committed to the strategy of the row, the circle, the chair. Are you willing to make that commitment? Have you found a circle group yet? If not, come talk to one of us and we will help you get plugged in to find the right one for you. Are you willing to make a commitment to prayer? If you are, then I wanna ask you to take out your phones. Go ahead, I promise it's not a test. If you are willing to make the commitment to prayer on the screen, I want you to text the word prayer to this telephone number. It's not my telephone number, don't save me in the contacts. (laughs) But if you're willing to commit, text text prayer to this number here on the screen. And for those joining us on live stream, this will only be available for the next 30-ish minutes or so. And what it'll do is is when you text this, you'll get an automated response that says, hey, welcome. And then if you wait a little bit, it'll be a little delayed. It'll have a a short link or it'll ask you to, to respond back with your email address. And then we'll take that email address and we're going to add you to our church prayer group. And this prayer group, this it's really just an email. You will receive a weekly email of things that you can be praying for specific to our church or happening around our church. And side note, if you ever have a prayer need, you can submit that to either of the Amy's. Just find either Amy and you can submit that to them. They'll get that added to this. So every week you'll get this email of a list of things that you can be praying for. You can take that and you can pray every single day for those things. You can also receive real-time urgent prayer requests as things come up. And if you didn't know this, again, if there's an urgent prayer request that you just need prayer for something, text or contact one of the Amy's. They'll, They'll get it added to this and we'll send out an email that says, urgent, pray right now for this. And you can provide as much or little information as possible. But I have one request with these one, one very serious request. It's, it's easy to, to get these real needs of people and then turn those into opportunities to gossip and to talk about what's going on in people's lives. And so my request is, please don't do that. Take this seriously and pray for them. We don't need to talk about other people without those people there. If you have questions, you can go directly to that person and ask them about what is going on. Don't use this as an opportunity to gossip. Instead, use this as an opportunity for us as the united body of Christ to come together and support our brothers and sisters in prayer. Again, as we close out this This sermon series, the last few weeks, we've been focused on what it means for us to grow more and more into the image of Christ by coming together in the row, learning from scripture and taking that information to our circle groups where we discuss together, we encourage one another, we pray for one another and we take all of that to our chair where we spend intentional time with God as often as possible to allow the Holy Spirit to do a transforming work in us, reshaping and transforming us more and more into the image of Christ? Are you willing to make that commitment this morning, the commitment to spending intentional time with God? May we be a church that is committed to living like Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, you are wonderful. God, we praise you for all that you've done. We even praise you when life is hard. God, you give us grace when we fail. Grace when when we fall asleep on you. Grace when we get distracted. God, this morning I'm asking for more of that grace. Enough grace to cover us all. God, give us the desire to desire more of you, the desire to spend more time with you. God, help us get through our our disbelief. Help us get through our distractions. Help us get through our worries. Help us get through our pain. This morning, God, we surrender to you. This morning, we say, not our will, but yours be done. God, we offer all of this to you. We pray all of this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me and receive the blessing? This week as you go, may God shine his face upon you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace. I pray that you would go this morning in peace and with the desire to desire more of God. Go in peace. You are dismissed fellowship with one another, encourage one another, pray for one another. You are dismissed. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to continue the conversation and connect with you. Comment, like, subscribe, follow us on the socials at rnazchurch or our website rnaz.church.